We're in a series called Words of Life, and we're going through the commands of Jesus, and we're trying to hear all of the things that Jesus commanded his followers to do, and we want to try to take them seriously. Uh, I want to start by talking about a, a comedy. There's this classic movie called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Give me a nod if you've, yes. you've seen this movie. Some people are loving it. Uh, and there's this scene in the movie where John Candy and Steve Martin are driving at night. And uh, they're on the highway, and they're driving along, and then this car comes up next to them. It, it pulls over from the other lane, and, and it, it pulls up, and it starts honking at them, and they start shouting at them. They're like, hey, hey, and they, they notice. So they turn and they say, oh, what's their problem? John Candy says, ah, oh, I think they want to race, and he gets ready, <laughs> ready to drive a little bit faster. They, they, they listen, they roll down the window, and they realize that the people are shouting at them. They're shouting something. What are they saying? You're going the wrong way. And they go, what? What are they saying? You're going the wrong way. And John Candy, who's driving, says, how do they know where we're going? How do they know we're going the wrong way? Like, ah. They said, oh, maybe they're just drunk. I don't know. They don't know what they're talking about. So they sort of blow it off. They say, yeah, yeah, okay, thank you, whatever. But soon, they realize what these people were trying to tell them. They are in the wrong side of the highway, and they are driving toward these two semi-trucks, just speeding toward them, and they're about to crash into them. They soon realize that the people who pulled up in the car next to them were shouting words of life. They were literally shouting to them something that could save their lives. Well, like I said, this fall, we are listening to the words of life from Jesus. We are trying to open our ears so that we can hear his commands and understand that this isn't just the commands of Jesus, the do this because I'm the Lord and you have to, but realize that the Lord is giving us these things because they are words that can bring us life in the fullest possible sense. So I'm excited to hear these words of Jesus that, that can give us life and that can direct our paths. And so this morning, I want you to listen to these words of life from Jesus from the very beginning of his ministry. We're going to hear Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. Just this, this short passage right at the beginning of his life. Uh, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Those are the words of life that we're going to listen to this morning. According to Mark and to the gospel writer Matthew, this was the first thing that Jesus said in his public ministry. Uh, this happens in Mark chapter 1. In Matthew, it's actually in chapter 4 because Matthew brings us up to speed a little bit. He gives us the, the story of the miraculous birth of Jesus, the prophesied Messiah. And then John the Baptist comes on the scene and he starts telling people to be ready because the Messiah is coming. He's coming. And if you hear the words of John the Baptist from Matthew chapter 3, they sound a lot like what Jesus says. John the Baptist also says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And then Jesus is baptized, he receives the Holy Spirit, here's this affirming voice from God the Father, this is my son, you should listen to him, he knows what he's talking about. And then Jesus is taken off into the wilderness and tempted by the devil, and he overcomes the temptation. And now he's ready to begin his preaching, his healing, his uh, public ministry. And according to Mark and to Matthew, the first thing that Jesus says is, repent. The kingdom of heaven has come near. 
And it's significant that this is the first thing that Jesus says. This is not the only time he will say this. These words are kind of like an overture for the rest of his ministry. Jesus is going to be talking a lot about the good news that God's long-anticipated kingdom is arriving in Jesus himself. And it's a call for people to repent. Everybody turn to the person next to you and say, repent. How'd that feel? That kind of feel like someone shouting across the highway at you. You're going the wrong. So repent is, it's a bible word if there ever was a Bible word. And uh, a lot of times the only time we ever hear this word repent is in a bible kind of context. It may bring up images for you of like a, a street preacher or a, a prophet with a, with a sign out in the streets going, repent, you need to repent, the end is near, you better repent. And also that the idea of something that you cast at somebody. You need to repent, and you need to repent, and everybody needs to repent. Kind of channeling Oprah Winfrey there for a minute. But it's, it's, it, we think of it as, as something that gets thrown at somebody. And maybe like John Candy and Steve Martin, when we hear something like that, we, we tend to blow it off. And we'll go, yeah, yeah, okay, that's fine. But essentially... Uh, repent is like what they shouted to them across the highway. It's a word that means you're going the wrong way. Uh, Dallas Willard, you were in my class this morning, you know who Dallas Willard is. Uh, Dallas Willard's definition of the word repent is rethinking your thinking. I like that because it's three words and it's, it's concise. It's, repenting is rethinking your thinking. But it goes beyond just your thoughts. It, it has to bleed into your actions and your life. Bible commentator Cynthia Jarvis says, to repent is to have a complete reorientation of your life. So there's some, a response involved. There's some change required in order for what happens in your life to actually be repentance. Sometimes we use the word repent interchangeably with the word regret or the word uh, remorse. And we think that repentance is, is just feeling bad about something, or like a realization, oh no, I, I've made a mistake. And that's part of it. But like I said, it's not really repentance unless there's a change that is part of the result. Uh, when Jesus called his followers to repent, it's a call away from something harmful, but it's also a call toward something good. So the call away was realizing that you're on the wrong side of the highway, and there's, there's trucks that are speeding toward you that can harm you. For the, in the first century, it was a call away from a political or social agenda that could end in violence. Jesus says, come away from that. It's a call away from self-centeredness and a self-reliance and more of a God-reliance. It's a call to increase your trust in the Lord. It's away from something harmful, but toward what Jesus is announcing has arrived. It's the kingdom of God. And in this passage, we heard him say, the kingdom of God is near or has drawn near but some translations say the kingdom of god is at hand i like that the kingdom of god is so close that you can touch it if something is at hand it means it's right there maybe uh, if you think about having cash on hand somebody's like hey can you you know can you owe me 10 bucks i say yes because i have cash on hand it's right here i can hand it to you right now as opposed to a lot of the times, if you ask me for $10, I'll say, I, I don't carry cash. Uh, I don't really do that sort of thing. So I can get it for you. I can go and come back. Or if you wait a week, we can meet up and 
we can make that square. But having cash on hand is like, no, it is right here. And that's what Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like. You don't have to wait for it. It's not coming next week. It's not the anticipated arrival of the Messiah. It's, the, it's right here in front of you, right here and right now. Everybody hold out your hands like this. Hold, point your hands at your face, like right in front of you, like this. What Jesus is saying is the kingdom of God is as close to you right now as your hand is to your face. It is realized in me. I am the Messiah. I am that anointed one. And he, Jesus says these things in the region of Galilee. This is down by uh, Sea of Galilee in a town called Capernaum. And he says these things in what happens to be a fishing village. And he's, some of the first people to hear this message were fishermen. And uh, there's James and John, there's Peter and Andrew. They were fishing. They had probably come from generations of fishermen before that. You know, their families were fishermen, and their families before them were fishermen, and their families before them were, guess what? Fishermen. You got it. So they were fishermen. And Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to rethink your thinking. I want you to completely reorient your life. I want you to come and follow me. So think about what that decision would have been like for them. They dropped their nets and they followed Jesus. They made a decision right there and then, yes, we are going to believe what Jesus is saying. We are going to go and find out for ourselves. We are going to follow him, but we need to realize that was not the only time they made that decision. They said yes to Jesus that day, but then they had to go home and explain to their families, we're not going to be fishermen anymore. We're going to go be students of the rabbi. We're going to follow the Messiah who has arrived. And when their family said, that's crazy, they had to choose to follow Jesus. And when Jesus started teaching some difficult things, they had to choose Jesus. When Jesus started getting kicked out of places and being accused of being insane and a demon-possessed man, they had to choose to continue following Jesus. When Jesus was arrested, they had a choice to make. Is it still worth following Jesus? When he was crucified, they had to decide, do we still want to follow Jesus? They had to choose to believe whether or not what Jesus was saying was true. They said, yes, he was the Son of God. Yes, the kingdom of God has arrived in Jesus. And that this call away from the old ways of living and toward a new God-centered life is true, that required a great deal of trust in them. And it requires a great deal of trust for us to do that as well. And I think that we are all trying to develop greater trust in God, but sometimes we can be like John Candy and Steve Martin in the front seat of that car, and we don't think we're going the wrong way. We think, ah, no, we, there's no need for repentance here. A lot of people who haven't heard the gospel don't know that there are semi-trucks bearing down and, and coming up down the highway. And so when someone yells at them, you're going the wrong way, we tend to dismiss it. And we, we might be tempted to say, how do they know where we're going? Thank you. Thanks very much. You know, why don't you just go ahead and stay in your lane? For Christians, repenting or rethinking our thinking and then acting upon them, it isn't just a one-time thing. It's not something that you only do once. 
But like these fishermen that Jesus called, we have to decide every day whether or not we believe the good news in Jesus' death and resurrection. Is it something that's worth reorienting my whole life around? We have to evaluate how much we trust in God. And uh, the thing about trust is that it takes trust. (laughs) That's profound, right? Trust takes trust. But the good news is that it's not just a blind trust. It's not like, okay, here's something that's, that's brand new we don't have any evidence for. We, we, we're not just starting at zero. We have the testimonies of these people who followed Jesus. We have the history of faith. We have eyewitness accounts. And we have our own experiences as well. I think if we sat down and talked, you and I could both share that we know what it feels like to be close in our relationship with God. And we know what it feels like to be far away and to be in need of that reorientation. So when it comes to following Jesus and to kingdom life, sometimes the proof is in the pudding, and we can rely on our own experiences. But we tend to forget. We tend to be people who go, yeah, 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 I I know I'm supposed to believe that, but I don't really feel it right now. That's why it's important to be in community where we can remind each other. I have a lot of relationships in my life, and I'm thankful for this, where if I'm feeling like my faith and my trust in God is kind of lower than it has been, there's people in my life, maybe theirs is, is, is better, and they can say, well, you know what, let's pray about that. Let's read these scriptures. Let's remind ourselves of, of the faithfulness that we have. It's almost like we carry each other. We help each other out when we're not matched up in the same way. I need to admit this morning that I am in need of repentance in my life in a very real kind of way. And it's not that I've lost my faith. It's not that I don't believe. I definitely do. But I just, I feel like if this is where I'm supposed to be, I've been over here. I've been kind of off. I think that COVID and all that's related to that has thrown me off. I think that all the changes that are going on in uh, our church right now have thrown me off. I got to say, like uh, my knee injury, which by the way, I felt like I was getting better. And then I did a stretch over the weekend and it just the pain came right back, and now I feel like I'm, I'm set back three or four weeks, and I'm back on the crutches. That'll take its toll on you. That'll, that'll throw you off. But how this manifests itself in my life is uh, I'm, just, I'm not a lot of fun to be around. <laughs> I've been having to apologize to Lisa for careless things that I've said or just for, for negative and, and faithless attitudes that I bring home into the house. I, I mean, you get to this point where you can tell when uh, you, know, you, you start to say, all right, here's, here's all the things that I want to gripe about. Here's all the things that I'm frustrated about. I've literally had people within the last month or so get up and leave the conversation because it was such a drag. And they were just like, I don't want to hear this. This, you, this, is, this is a dark and negative place that you tend to go to. This is where I need repentance in my life. I need to be called back. And I want you to know, this... I'm not just beating myself up here. I'm not looking for for sympathy. Oh, poor Jacob. And I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm such a failure and like we need to beat ourselves up more because I don't think that that's what God calls us to. I think that in the same way that we've talked about how there's a difference between griping and lamenting. You remember this? You know, griping is just complaining for no reason, to no one in particular, but lamenting is a, a faithful prayer that we offer to the Lord that says, here's, here's what's honestly going on in my life. There's, that's constructive. Griping is, is not so much. 
I think that there's a difference between repenting and beating yourself up. I don't think that we are called to say, I'm such a failure, I can't do anything right. I think that's the, that's the, the beating yourself up part. But what I think we ought to do is repent and to say, I'm not a failure because I've failed. I am a beloved child of God. I am known and called by God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This is true, but at the moment, I'm just kind of going in the wrong direction. And I want to return, and I want to come back. Like I said, I'm thankful for the people in my life that I can confess this to. And I think we all need to be in the habit of confessing this need we have for course correction in our lives. Uh, this is something we do with the people that we know and trust. So think about the people in your life the people that you enjoy having conversations with, maybe the people that you live with. Think about the people in this church who wouldn't be weirded out at all if you pulled them aside and said, hey, I just, I just want to talk to you because I think I need you to pray for me. I need some, some prayers. I need some accountability in my life. When I work up the courage to do this, what I often find is that I'm received well, I'm received with love, with understanding, and that usually the person I'm talking to is going through something similar. They'll say like, well, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I need you to pray for me as well. And then it gets out in the open. And then there's room for healing and change. And it's it's a really, really beautiful thing when it happens. We can encourage each other and help each other get back on track. This might seem strange as we talk about, hey, we ought to do this more often. And part of that is because our culture doesn't have a lot of language or placeholders for this type of confession and repentance. But there is one tradition that we have that maybe connects here. And that's the tradition of making New Year's resolutions. You ever notice that? That January is a time of year where it's okay to tell people, you know what, I'm kind of off track. I didn't do the things that I said I was going to do. I'm not the kind of person that I set out to be. So I'm going to work on it. We, we almost expect each other to say that. We solicit New Year's resolutions. What are you going to do differently? How are you going to change? That's good. But one time a year is not enough. And as Christians, I think this should be part of our rhythms, part of our DNA. What are you doing wrong? What is your plan to try to make it right? Um, and that's one thing. And I can end the message there and say, you know, go do better. Go make a New Year's resolution in September. But that's not the gospel message. To be real honest, what I'm talking about when we talk about repentance is so much more important than a New Year's resolution. It's not just saying, like, you know, I'm going to try to go to the gym more often, or I'm finally going to break down and organize that closet. Um, There are some practical results of this. It will bless your life. It will enrich your relationships. But there's also this cosmic significance involved that we have to mention as well. And to do that, I want to do just kind of a quick flyover of three biblical passages. The first one is uh, John chapter 3. Jesus goes to, um, well, Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and he goes to Jesus at night. He wants to have a a private meeting with Jesus because he's interested in the things that he's saying. And in this conversation, Jesus tells Nicodemus that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. So it's interesting, as we've heard, repent, believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. Oh, good. Well, then we want to be part of the kingdom of God. Ah, there's a way to enter the kingdom of God. Water 
and the Spirit. We'll come back to that one in a second. But then we'll jump forward to the time after the resurrection of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the church in Jerusalem. And this is the, this is the birth of the church. And the Apostle Peter, he gets up and he starts talking to this crowd. He tells them, Jesus was crucified, but now he's raised. You thought he wasn't the Messiah, but he was the Messiah. And the people go, oh, man, <laughs> we messed up. What do we do now? They ask him this question. What should we do? And he tells them, Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the second one. The third one, you fast forward in the, the book of Acts, the story of the church. The Holy Spirit continues to do these amazing things. Uh, some of the apostles are in jail in Philippi, and then God intervenes. There's this earthquake, and the, the doors of the jail are blown open. And the jailer is there going, oh no, my one job is to make sure that the prisoners don't escape, and they're all about to escape. So I'm going to take my sword, I'm going to go ahead and end my life, because that's, that's it for me. And the apostles go, wait, 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 don't do that. Don't, uh, nope, not a good idea. Hold on. And then they talk about, this is God's power demonstrated. This is the power of God's spirit at work. And then that Philippian jailer asks the same question. What must I do to be saved? And he tells them, believe in the Lord Jesus. Water in the spirit, repent and be baptized. Believe in the Lord Jesus. We come to realize when it comes to repentance, somebody saying, you're going the wrong way. We're in need of a course correction. This isn't just some stranger shouting good advice for us across the highway. Jesus is not the good advice giver. Jesus is the good shepherd. And he's going to lead us. We should follow him. It is a real invitation to escape death and enter into eternal life. And without Jesus, we cannot be saved from eternal destruction. That's why this is such an important message. Not just for Christians, but for everyone. We, like these examples we've seen in the New Testament, we need to be the ones who are inviting people out of the darkness and into the light of Christ. We need to invite people out of the path of the oncoming semi-trucks and onto the road that leads to life. This is what Jesus has commanded. This is what he is calling people to. And a lot of us have received that call, but we need to extend that invitation to others as well. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your words of life. We thank you that this message was heard by these Galilean fishermen and that it was obeyed and that they followed you and they trusted you each day and we get to see where it leads through these stories and these testimonies and, and the birth of the church. And I thank you that your church is still meeting, that we are listening to your words of life even today and we want to know how to apply them. So I pray for this church. I pray for myself that we can understand repentance and that we can repent, that we can come to know you in a, and trust you in a more real way each day. I thank you for relationships we have with one another, where we can confess, where we can hold each other accountable in love and with this desire to just keep moving forward in faith and to see more and more of your kingdom coming. Thank you for your, your lordship. We thank you for your victory over death. We pray that this message can go out as we go out from this place.
And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to invite Bill to come back up here and get ready to lead us in uh, one more song before we do our, our prayers for one another. But we mentioned that repentance is an ongoing thing, but it also starts with a, the first repentance, the first time that someone says yes to following Jesus. And that invitation is open. If anybody has not said yes to following Jesus, but you're hearing the invitation and you want to follow him on the path that leads to life, we want to invite you to do that, to repent and to be baptized, to become a follower of Jesus every day of your life. Um, and if you've already been baptized, or even if you haven't, if you want someone to talk to about this, I've kind of tried to paint this picture of the value of confession and the beauty of doing repentance in Christian community. It's, it's an awesome thing. And you say, but I don't know who I can go to. Today, we want to invite you to uh, pray with somebody. If you want to go up to somebody and just say, hey, I'm off track and I want you to pray for me. We have some leaders from this church who are going to be out in the courtyard in our outdoor space between the buildings. And you'll know who these people are. They've been, uh, they're wearing little name tags that says, ask me, I'm here to help. These people have specifically been asked to receive folks who, if you want to pray with somebody, they're there to pray with you. They are not there to give you advice. They are not there to react to the things that you share with them, like, whoa, you're really messed up here. They're not going to do that. They are just going to listen. They are going to pray for you. They're going to pray with you. Uh, that invitation is there. So after we dismiss, after the song and our closing prayer, we want to invite you to go meet with some of those people. You can always talk with me or just turn to somebody around you that you like, that you know, and begin this conversation. Uh, let's stand and worship God together.